Hi, I want to welcome you to Reasonable Faith with Dr. William Lane Craig. I'm Kevin Harris. This past weekend was the fifth anniversary of the death of my son, Tanner. He was 18, senior in high school. He loved meteorology, cars, guitars. He had a curiosity and zest for life that inspired many people. Let me reflect briefly on this five-year anniversary And then we'd like to replay the podcast in which Dr. Craig and I reversed roles and he interviewed me about the tragedy. First, it's so humbling that so many around the world have been touched by that podcast. We've heard from many countries and it continues to touch lives. Secondly, the main thing I want to communicate is that God's grace will get you through even the death of a child, one of your children. It is a devastating thing, but I've witnessed firsthand how God sustains in multiple ways, and He will sustain you no matter what you're going through. That may sound cliche, but it's a promise from God's Word. And I want you to notice that because you are a distinct individual, God deals with you in distinct ways, ways related specifically to you and your situation. In other words, God knows exactly what you need and where and when to apply His grace. For me, it's things like someone reaching out to me, hearing from someone I haven't heard from in a long time, a song, a memory that comes out of nowhere, a sudden burst of creativity, or a quiet assurance that soothes my mind, mostly about what Jesus has accomplished for us by His resurrection. If God can get you through the death of your child, He can get you through anything, and He does. Finally, I like to say that grief is necessary and normal, but can be very hard on one physically. My wife Kelly and I have noticed physical symptoms from the trauma, and and so especially if you go through grief of any kind, take care of yourself. Eat right, sleep right, exercise. We grieve, But as the Apostle Paul says, we don't grieve without hope. I'm excited about the future, and it's an honor to be a part of the amazing outreach of Reasonable Faith with Dr. William Lane Craig. Now remember that there's a matching grant in place right now. A generous donor has pledged to match whatever you give. So whatever you give will be doubled up to $300,000 between now and the end of the year. Take advantage of that, and thank you for your gift and your support. Give online at reasonablefaith.org. And now here's a special encore presentation of Tanner's podcast. In 2015, the Reasonable Faith family was struck by a tragic event, um, which was the untimely death of Kevin Harris's son, Tanner. And today we want to talk about Tanner, uh, his death, and your reactions, Kevin, to it and how you've coped with it and are coping. And I have to say as we begin that this is not something that I have ever experienced or can imagine in my own life. Um, Having one's parents die at a ripe old age is a world apart from having a son suddenly and unexpectedly taken in the prime of life. And so if I make a misstep in these questions or ask a question that's insensitive or inappropriate, I I trust that you'll forgive me. 
But I'm, I'm sure, Kevin, that talking about this will be of great interest to our listeners. Um, many of them have had probably to deal with the loss of a spouse, perhaps, or a loved one, or uh, another family member. And tragedy strikes many people's lives in different ways, and we need to learn how to deal with it uh, as believing Christians. So perhaps we could begin by your telling us how you first heard of Tanner's death. How did this come to you? It was very traumatic how it happened, Bill. Tanner was 18, he was a senior in high school, and uh, he was uh, on a motorcycle. He was very safety-minded. He was wearing a helmet. He studied safety. He, he loved things, anything that goes fast, since he was a little kiddo. But uh, he did fail to negotiate a car pulling out in front of him, and he died instantly. It was in our neighborhood, my wife, Kelly. We have three children, uh, Cody, who's uh, 20, Tanner was 18, and uh, my daughter Peyton, who's 14, she heard him come by, and she heard the accident. Oh. And this is one of the worst parts of this. And she knew immediately that this must be what it is. She heard the, uh, the motorcycle uh, passing the road out in front of the house, heard the accident, and goes running down there. By the time that she got there, police were already on the scene, EMT, Emergency tech uh, came up, but uh, he was uh, apparently, he apparently died instantly. What is hard about this, Bill, and she called me immediately, and, and uh, I was on an errand and came rushing that way. So you got a cell phone call? From my uh, wife as she's running. Oh, from, from Kelly. From, from Kelly. And what did she say to you, Kevin? Kevin, I think Tanner has had a wreck. I'm running that way right now. I heard him go by and I hear police cars coming, it was his motorcycle, and I'm running toward where I think the wreck occurred. Wow. And um, I rushed to get there. By the time I had gotten there, they were trying to revive him. They wouldn't let us go near. I was too busy comforting Kelly, and also just uh, starting to go into shock myself when I saw him laying over there. But I, they were unable to revive him, mm. um, and so, uh, the police officer came over and said he didn't make it. Oh, those were his words, yes. he didn't make and it. Kelly and I had to literally hold one another up. Uh, we just sank to the ground, mm. you know, in, in despair. I want to tell you that the police officer on the scene, the first one on the scene, is also a part-time pastor. Huh. And he immediately came up and grabbed a hold of us and began to pray for us. Really? It immediately established that we were believers. His body cam caught all this. A police officer who is an atheist was later watching the body cam of this officer praying for us. He said, you know, that makes me want to believe in God because despite the pain that I saw on those parents' faces, when you begin to pray, something came over them. Hmm. Now, Bill, we, we were sustained. I didn't, I didn't feel a sense of peace or anything like that, but apparently there was a visible change when, when he began to pray. We've gotten to know uh, this police officer, and we've gotten to know him, and he, a pastor, we've attended his church since then. He, he, he spoke at the memorial service. Is that uh, right? Twenty people made decisions for Christ at the memorial service, that, that as far as we can count. It was packed with, with students and with people. My, my son had a lot of friends. 
and he, he actually spoke as well as my brother who is a, a part-time pastor. So it was really providential that this particular officer was there to hold us up, grab us, and literally pray for us as we were, we were collapsing. Yeah. And I don't want you to be afraid, Bill, uh, as so many people are, of saying the wrong thing mm. because obviously we don't know what to say. My experience has been, despite the fact that you always hear, well, people don't want to hear the cliches like it's God's will and, you know, and he's in a better place and, and, and things like that. And while that may be true, don't worry about saying the right thing saying, I'm here, I'm praying for you, or even saying nothing at all, just being there has been tremendous comfort. The outpouring from people who listen to reasonable faith, from people in our community who have heard about this, have prayed and prayed and prayed for yeah. us. And, and it brings up something, that, as I've contemplated this, God could bypass all those prayers and His power and sovereignty and just, and however He does, just directly comfort us if he wanted to. But God has ordained prayer as a means of doing this and others as a means of doing this. We have felt the prayers. We have been sustained by the prayers and by the visits and by a note and by a word and by knowing that people are thinking of us. And God, Bill, I think because he wants us to be participants in this, has ordained that we pray for yes. one another and that we are there for one another even though he could directly do all this. You know, you know what I mean? Yes, I do. So at times when we feel, when we're weeping, when we're crying and um, going through the grief, we've never grieved without hope. Suddenly, when it feels like the world is too bleak or it, this is just too hard to take, and it is the worst thing in the world. <laughs> There's, it is as bad as they say to lose a child. But suddenly, there's this... Bubble is all I can describe it as of hope that kind of comes up from nowhere. Huh. Not in an artificial sense, not in a way of anesthetizing you, but suddenly a sense of hope kind of comes in and you feel encouraged. That's just got to be God the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And we have both experienced that. I, I think it's worse on a mother than it is on the father, as bad as it is on both of us. Mm. And I have seen her sustained even though we've lain on the garage floor and just wondering how we're going, in tears, wondering how we're going to make it and praying. Suddenly, there will be a sense of hope that comes up. Hmm. Was Tanner living at home at the time? He was. He was still a senior in high school. Got to say that he, since he was a kiddo, he liked everything. He was an adrenaline junkie since he was a baby. He liked things that were fast. He was a storm chaser. We've gone out. We've filmed tornadoes. In Texas. In Texas, Oklahoma, tornadoes. Arkansas. Whenever there's a tornado, oh. he, would, he would say, let's go, yeah. where most people are going the opposite direction. Right. Television station picked up the story on, on Tanner as a, as a young storm chaser. He knew a lot about meteorology. He wanted to be a pilot. Anything that was dangerous and fast and would kill you, that's what he liked. He lived on the edge. He, he did, but he wasn't reckless. Hmm. Maybe there was something reckless that he has done here, but uh, you know, we'll never know. Yeah. But I take he, it then the motorcycle struck the rear end of the car that pulled out in front of him? Is that what happened? broadside the car, and, ah. there were, and no one else was hurt. There were two children. 
oh. in the in the back of this this truck. Yeah, they were not harmed. Uh, the man was not harmed. What's difficult now is that um, we still live in that neighborhood, and it's too painful, Bill, to to pull out of the neighborhood because we have to go past the place where it happened. Mm. So in the grieving process, and we're reading a book on grief, we're also in a support group of bereaved parents with our church. We're going through that grieving process. You and I have done a podcast and someone asked, well, look, if you guys as Christians believe that they're in a better place and that and that Jesus, and that you'll see them again, that Jesus defeated death. Why are you so upset? <laughs> because we miss them yeah. so badly. Um, that was my boy, my son. Uh, we had a great relationship. Tell he was us a little so bit more about that. About he was your so excited with Tanner. I tried to enter his world. He was yes. hard-headed. He had to have things his way, and I was trying to let him be a man at 18, even though he was still living under our roof. I was trying to find that balance of you're still under my roof, you're still living at home, but you're, you're 18 now, and I want you to make good decisions, but I'm also going to be making certain demands on you as you live at home and things like that. And he was beginning to feel that tug of not wanting to be under our roof anymore. And eventually I said, you know, you, you will be. You will be on your own. And so what I would find I would do, Bill, is I would enter his world a lot and in order to have that relationship with him. So I, I went storm chasing with him. I helped him research meteorology. I, I helped him with this motorcycle. I, I do want to say that this motorcycle was way too fast and that your first motorcycle, if you do one, ought to be when you're older and not one of these that, are, that is just really, really fast. Mm -hmm. Are you struggling with guilt feelings about allowing him to have a motorcycle? Yes. Or you, you, uh, I see. Okay. And Kelly and I stood in the kitchen and said, we are not going to blame one another. Mm -hmm. Let's make up our mind now that later when we're angry, later if we're going through grief, that we don't blame one another. I wanted him to get rid of that motorcycle, and his mom did too. It was just too fast. Mm -hmm. It was one of those rocket-looking bikes, you know, that he bought and paid for himself. Mm -hmm. Worked at a local restaurant to pay for him, and it solved a transportation problem for us and things like that. But I wanted it to be a project of his and mine to get rid of that bike and get to something more conventional or a car but I didn't do that in time. Yeah. I do feel guilty that I allowed him to have such a fast bike. And yet with an emerging adult, like an 18-year-old, he wouldn't he hear it. wants to have it. He wouldn't hear of it. Yeah. You know? So I'm trying to find the balance of being firm, but also saying, Tanner, we really ought to get rid of this. Yeah. It's extremely dangerous. Yeah. And uh, he would say, he would show me videos of how not to wreck these things and things like that. I say, if you really want to go fast, we'll go to the track. Mm. But this is, this is going to be bad. I remember we were standing out in front of the bike. And I said, Tanner, if you die on this thing, it's going to kill us. You actually said that. I said, oh. when that police officer comes and knocks on our door, do you know what it's going to do to us and to our, 
to your mother. Do you know how bad it's going to be? This is a year, uh, well, six, six, seven months before. He said, Dad, I'm going to be very, very, very safe. I said, do you know what that would do? And, and Bill, that happened. I was working at a Christian radio station. That we did fundraisers where volunteers would come in, and some of those volunteers have lost children. Oh. And so it was almost as if God were preparing me, in a sense, because I heard from them how God has sustained them through the worst of these tragedies, uh, people losing toddlers, their children when they're four and five, mm. when they're older, when they're teenagers. And um, uh, whenever I hear of, of anyone losing a child in my area, I make it a point to contact them now just to say, I've, I've been there too. Yeah. But it, this is still fresh. The grieving process is, is very, very difficult. But we, we're, we're trying to do the, the right thing. We may move from that home. In fact, that's, that's what we're planning to do. While we can't run from the grief because it'll only pop up later, there is a sense, though, that we do need to move out of that neighborhood mm -hmm. where it occurred. You and Kelly have experienced this terrible loss in your lives. But listening to you here this, today, it doesn't sound as though this was a crisis in faith for you, that it occasioned doubts about the goodness of God or the existence of God. It sounds as though right from the time that policeman prayed with you that there was hope and, and comfort. Is that correct? Bill, it is correct. And that's why what we do at Reasonable Faith is so important. Because we lay some real groundwork upon which to build so many uh, things in our, in our Christian lives. I found my, myself falling through every cliche I had ever heard or uttered. I found myself falling through my favorite scriptures and then shattering as I fell. Mm. And I found myself falling through all my philosophy and through, through everything in, in a free fall, but I find myself landing, landing on my back on a two and a half to three ton stone that was rolled away from the tomb and laying there on that, on that hope. And as we heal and recover, I don't know how long that will take. Uh, it does get better with time. So many have told me who have lost children. Uh, you'll never get over it, but it won't be as raw and yes. sickening, and you'll be able to kind of build your foundation again and, and, and kind of get into the new normal. But, you know, we stand on the rock, and, and, and plus just experiencing God's comfort, which I, I, I just can't uh, explain otherwise, even though he allows us to go through a, a grieving pain. I have wrestled with God, but I've always stood firm in the fact that I... I didn't have a crisis of, yes. of faith in things. That's, and that's it, it will rock your world. And if somebody does, uh, that's understandable. And a lot of people who are very strong in the Lord get very angry at God. God, why have you asked me to do this? Mm. I know I will see him again, but this is too painful and too hard. And we shouldn't say God will never allow anything to happen to you that you can't handle. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> he allows plenty of things to happen yeah. that we can't handle. Yeah. But there's nothing that will uh, happen to us that his grace will not get us through. You know, so I do want to emphasize that. I want to emphasize one more thing, Bill, if I could. And it's maybe part of the work that we do here at Reasonable Faith as well. 
I find Christian people and others who, at times like this, we say trivial theological things. Walter Martin called it hillbilly theology. In other words, we say things, it's almost like a gallows humor, like, well, right now he's, uh, he's riding that motorcycle with the Lord, or right now he's playing that, on that great golf course in the sky and things like that. And we, we say things like that. We actually say them at, at funerals. And I haven't really experienced that here. I've heard it before. But I want us to be careful of that for two reasons. One, if we say it, even though we're just kind of kidding around or in, in trying to lighten the mood, we don't really believe that if we reflect on it. And I think if unbelievers hear us say things like that, that they'll say, that's preposterous. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what is this, some big golf course in the sky that he's on right now? You know, that, that, that's not true. Uh, do you know what I'm trying to say here? You know, yes. we, we don't know what, and, and all that stuff may be there at, uh, right now. This is prior to the new heaven and the new earth. There's a, uh, apparently, Bill, an, an intermediate state now that uh, uh, my son, he's, he's in the very presence of the Lord. Right. I don't know uh, whether that's in a disembodied state or if there is some kind of a, of a body. I'm, I'm, I've, I, I'm, I've never worked my theology completely you know, out on that. I just know that he's with the Lord, and I know that there will be a resurrection of the body, a new heaven, a new earth. But we, we tend to say things that uh, are, are, are rather nonsensical at times mm-hmm. like this. Yeah. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for sharing so personally about this painful subject. And we do pray that God will continue to give you and Kelly healing as you go forward. Are there any sort of lessons that come out of this experience? We've, we've already talked about some but is there any overriding lessons that you would want to just leave with our listeners that might prepare them for this sort of unexpected eventuality? Yes, and that is, I can testify that no matter how bad it gets in this fallen world, death is is still an enemy. It's a defeated enemy, but it is still something that it's part of this fallen world, and it's painful. There's nothing that God will not get you through. Mm. And that you, you really do need to turn to him, toward him, though, as best you can. Even with people praying for you and helping you, you still have the freedom to just turn away from all that mm. and, and spiral downward. Let God sustain you. And don't try to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. There will be times in the future when you can be stronger. Right now, it's a time to be sustained by God. And second of all, we need to be very sensitive to people who lose their loved ones because as, as we all know, it's painful. But when you lose a child, it's especially painful. And those persons really need your prayer and support. Thank you, Kevin. This has been good talking about this with you. Thank you.
flee. 